and welcome to episode 46 of the Deer Out podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Fred. And Fred, should we talk about the elephants in the room? Which one? That this is episode 46. Are we going to mention it? Are we going to say anything about 46? <laughs> should this, in theory, be our worst episode? Should we just... Or should it be our first episode? <laughs> you just tell a few dirty jokes and sign off and everyone's confused. <laughs> it could be our first episode. Oh, The one okay. that started it all. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So we do owe 46 that. Oh, yeah, of course, man. I'm playing 46 online at the moment and I'm enjoying it. Are you? Mm. Okay, you're off the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who's my replacement? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Actually, I might just come in and have a conversation with like myself in a different accent. <laughs> or oh, have you been doing that all along? <laughs> that would be a pretty sick reveal. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> hey, how incredible would that be? And I just do like a perfect friend voice. But then they'd never know if we just scripted it. <laughs> a lot of editing work to overlay it perfectly, though. Yeah, you're a very talented man. <laughs> yeah. If yeah, I do but... say so myself. <laughs> <laughs> not to be narcissistic but yeah. yeah man well look i think hating 46 is sort of a, a long-running meme of the show so you can't really take that away from us yeah yeah so even when you don't hate 46 we'll, we'll still hate 46 i'll try not to like it too much yeah okay good yeah don't enjoy it too much just be like even if you win and it was amazing and everyone's like oh what do you think you're like yeah it was all right yeah okay sure I guess, whatever. I don't know. It's cool. <laughs> you got. Yeah. It's no Big Bang Monopoly, but it's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Not to be confused with Big Bang Theory Monopoly. Oh, are they different things? Oh, yeah, yeah. Big Bang Monopoly is strictly for adults. Oh, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. No, just in case anyone was confused. Yeah. Gotcha. So, tell me something. Mm. Um, you told me recently... <laughs> that you had come around after our previous episode, that you had been swayed by someone in our Discord. That's right. Genius or Grifter. Yes, about that Genius or Grifter discussion about um, underreporting your your route. Yeah, so I thought that it would make more sense if we're going to discuss this for you to kind of explain to me how you got turned around and, and see if you can change me. Okay, sure. Because I ended up on the grifter side of things, right? I, I started out genius and then I talked myself into grifter. Yeah, and I was genius. Well, sorry, grifter all the way, saying it's like bad etiquette and stuff. Yeah, now you've come around to genius. I've come around to the genius side, yes. All right, let, let's have it. Have it on me. Okay, so it's, it's all thanks to HC on our Discord. So he actually found the two rules that are applicable. Okay, so the 18.3 rules say that the highest legal revenue that can be demonstrated must be collected, although sharp-eyed players are not required to point out a higher possible revenue than claimed. Okay, so 18.3 specifically allows, says that you should run the highest like value route that is seen, basically. Okay. But no one is obligated to point out a higher revenue route to you if they see it. So 1830 tells you to run the highest route. Yes. It basically says if you pretend not to, you're cheating. If you pretend you don't see it. That's the way I understand it, right? So if, I, if I'm the president, if I know there's a good route, then it's obviously been demonstrated by myself <laughs> to me kind of thing, then I should run it. Okay. Okay. But if I'm wrong in that, 
there's no penalty and no one is obligated to to tell me. But also implied in that is that they can. And once it's been demonstrated, now I have to run that higher value route. Okay. Makes sense. Yes, I'm with you. Okay. So then the 1846 rules say, after its president announces a corporation's routes, if another player describes routes with a higher total, the president must run those routes instead. Okay. So there's no nothing there saying that the president has to run there's no implied, like, I know I'm not running the highest routes so that I'm cheating there. It's like just saying, okay, everyone, I'm going to run this route. Right. And then everyone is like, okay, cool. Or someone can say, oh, no, there's a better route. You must run that one. Right. Okay. So it's less less harsh on me knowing there's a better route and not running it as the president. Okay. okay. And then um, HE also linked to a nice website that lists like differences between games basically it has all the rules and then like for this 18xx this is the case there for example like stock stock round is it buy then sell or sell by sell or whatever the case is and it tells you which 18xx's are which ones and some of them are the it's number 7.7 on this site and i'll i'll put a link to the show notes to the site as well it's actually quite a useful site so 7.7 7.7 there is must the maximum possible revenue be claimed so under the running routes section right for example you must run the maximum possible number of routes and you must run all routes to their ends no requirement is present to maximize revenue so 1873 says that specifically no requirement is present to maximize revenue so do any of them say like unclear or not mentioned or something along those lines? So um, it says, so just as a, as a general thing, it says here that unless otherwise stated, any player may demonstrate a better revenue total than the proposed by the director slash president, which must then be taken. So that's like the kind of like the standard, if nothing else is said, then that's the assumed rule. Okay, so any player may demonstrate a better revenue and then it must be run. So the default position is that it's not cheating and it's within the scope of the game for you to underrun. For for some games, it's allowed and some of them explicitly say that, well, they don't explicitly say that you have to run the highest value route. So for me, so, and this is what HC on the Discord also said, is the fact that there's a distinction between different 18xx's means that this is probably a lever. Like it's a change between different 18xx's and it's something that you can play with. Okay, so your basic position is as long as it's been put there, something you can use, it shouldn't be considered bad etiquette to use it. Yes, however, so I will just say this, like I think it's very rare that you will want to do it anyway. Uh, one good example that actually also mentioned in the Discord is, uh, let's say I'm running a route or I'm, I'm not first, I'm not going to win if the game ends now and my maximum route will break the bank. Then I might try to under like run a route so that I don't break the bank and I get another set of ORs. Okay. So it's a very, like, there are some very specific cases, and I think overall they'll probably be rare. So I don't think in general it will be an issue. And if, if some game groups also don't want to play it that way, just they want to just trust that everyone's going to run the maximum routes, I'd, I'd also, because it's such a rare occurrence, I don't see an issue. Unless it's something like 73, where explicit, which explicitly says there's no requirement to present, or there's no requirement to run the maximum route then you can 
outright tell people like this is the best route but i'm going to run this one instead and like there's no there's no requirement there that if someone points out a better route you have to run it right okay yeah it's one of those things where i think it's easy to say that it's totally fine if you were playing like the world cup of 18xx yes and it's one of those things that's a little bit trickier if you're playing like with your group of friends because people generally aren't checking each other. There's a natural assumption that you're going to try to run yeah. the best routes. Yeah, it's still a tricky like etiquette question there, and I, but I think it will differ from game group to game group. Right. Okay. The other thing, though, that bothers me a little bit about it is online play. For example, on 18xx games, I just put in my route and I run it, and the game moves on to the next player. There's no real opportunity for other people to say, to approve my route effectively you know and it would be an absolutely not worth it nightmare to have that as an option right precisely every single person gets a notification do you approve this route exactly the the only way i could see it is to have like a rollback feature where it runs and it carries on to the next person and later on like let's say when it you ran a route uh, and someone else goes and then it's my turn then i see oh chris ran a a non-optimal route i want him to run the optimal one there might be some kind of way to do like a just change the payout in hindsight kind of thing you know but but still that's tricky and it's tedious so i think in most cases you should just have the assumption that everyone's going to run the best route i think what's interesting as well speaking about online games is that there's a little bit of a debate i think and or people disagree on whether or not it's better to not have route selection at all that the game just automatically picks and runs the best available routes, calculating it with, you know, yeah. computers. Because <laughs> I guess it's not necessarily that hard to calculate, but obviously I don't do programming, so maybe it is. But RR18XX, for example, I uh, can auto-calculate your route, and I, I don't think I've ever not used the auto thing. Um, but I guess the question really boils down to, is it part of the game to spot or find the best available route once you've already laid the tracks? Or is it simply just sort of annoying upkeep that you have to go through because you will expect that any reasonable person will reasonably find the best route given time to do so? Yeah, it is a it's an interesting question that that my my kind of like gut reaction is an online asynchronous play, I theoretically have unlimited time to find the best route, so I will eventually find it, right? So then having an auto route feature just saves time. That's all it does. Yeah, I don't necessarily consider finding the optimal route to be uh, almost like an important part of the game. I think trying to build an optimal route is, but Mm. once you've built it, once you have what you have available to you, then... Yeah, I think figuring out tokening and roots and tiles and things like that is an interesting part of the root game. I don't think actually tallying up the roots is all that interesting. Yeah. I mean, even when we play, I'll often tell people that oh, I can see a better route because they'll be like, oh, I think 290 is my best. And I'll be like, no, you can do 320 if you go this way. Because mm. I tend to just look at people's roots while they're looking at them as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that. You know, and I never really think of it as some kind of advantage. I'm like, oh, I'm going to sit here and keep that to myself. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I always kind of assume that people will just find the best route eventually. And so I'd rather almost save the time. Exactly. Yeah, I I feel the same way. I think we're on the same page there that it's the game is in building the routes and placing the tokens, not in running the routes. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I could I totally understand the argument against that because it's basically doing something for you that you should have to cognitively process yourself. Um, I just think it's not an interesting decision space, yeah. and that's why I'm like a bit whatever about it. But maybe some people do enjoy that aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I like having an auto button. Mm, yeah. And the option to manually do it if you really want to. But I guess maybe people feel like if there's an auto button that takes away from them figuring it out themselves. Well, what could be nice is just if you, you choose the router, but then the game tells you, oh, there's actually a better route uh, if you're interested. <laughs> yeah. I would suggest this, you idiots. Yeah. So so where do you stand on the on the underrunning? Um, I think uh, I, I guess I have to reluctantly lean in your direction because I do think if the lever's there, then it's then it's kind of a lever, you know. Mm. I still think it could be a potential feel bad if it's ever really utilized. Yeah, especially if your group doesn't expect it. Yeah, so I, I guess I'll go for like a reluctant genius, but you know, I think I uh, I might be hesitant to do it myself. I don't think I would. Well, I don't know if it's if it if it really is one of the rare rare situations that in, that I think it could win me the game. Then I don't know. Maybe I will do it and just point it out in the next stock round. Say it's too late now. I mean, there must also be like almost like a statute of limitations, right? <laughs> yeah. No. Absolutely. I mean, if you point it out yourself after you've done it and after we've moved on to the next person's turn, then yes. I think it's fair to say no one called you on it. You know. Yeah, it's but it's still an interesting case. Like it's not for me. It's not like I can see how people will feel bad if someone did it to them as well. So yeah, it feels like it's not a it's not a clear cut thing because it really depends on kind of how cutthroat your group is and how maxi I suppose your group is as well. Mm. Well, in some eighteen xxs it is clear cut, but yeah, You're right, right, fair enough. In, yeah, in others it's not. So I think you also, but I think. It's safe to just always run the best route. I, I really think it's going to be rare that not doing that is going to cost you the game. Yeah, you'd have to really, really have to figure out a situation in which you wanted to do that. Yeah, yeah. And I also think like we have this little chart or what would you call it? Like a payout sheet that we keep next to the game where we mark the previous runs just to speed up the game as well. And I think having that also makes it easier for people to spot if someone is doing that, if they wanted to call out a better route. Yeah, exactly. I, I guess everything becomes shortcut, though. That's the problem, right? Is it just like, cool, I'm going to run the same route. Or if I just go, cool, I'm going to run 280. You know, I don't like sit there and point out every single tile for you guys. Exactly. Like you generally trust that, yeah, you, you know what you're doing and you've done it right. And yeah. yeah. So yeah. <laughs> there's much less opportunity for people to call you out on it. But whatever, each to their own, I suppose. I, I wouldn't be that salty about it if someone did it. I'd be like, oh, that's pretty clever. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah, no, me neither after this discussion. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. So we have an email. Okay. Uh, we have an email from Fabian or Fabian yes. from Sweden. What do you think? What are we going with? Fabian. Fabian, I think so. Okay, we'll go with Fabian. So Fabian said he's been listening to our podcast since he fell down the 18xx rabbit hole. And he also started with 1846. He said, we were all used to it ended up being one of those horrible eight to nine hour games. However, I kind of liked it. <laughs> he said, I also realized quite soon afterwards that while 1846 was one of my best board game experiences, it would probably be one of the 18xx games I'd like the least. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. A true derailer. 
Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to episode 46, where we have fake Swedish people mail in and say they don't really like it. <laughs> Just kidding. Fabian's real. Okay. So he said he's gathered a few friends and set up two four-player Chesapeake's. And on Sunday, they're going to try a six-player Chesapeake. I'm curious to know how that goes. So mm. let us know. Um, he said he's won both times, probably because he's listened to all our episodes, all of Train Shuffling, all of Train Rush, and Wheel Tapping. Oh, wow. <laughs> Nicely done. I think you're properly hooked, Fabian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, six did its job, certainly there. So, yes. yeah, nicely done. Yeah, absolutely. He said he did try 18xx.games, but he stopped quite soon after as he thought the experience journey that one can see in our podcast um, is something he wants to have with our group. So, which he, what I thought was quite interesting was he said the difference in your comments in early episodes compared to later ones are vast. Mm, okay. So, quite interesting. He's obviously probably listened to them quite in you know, short succession like yes. to podcast. So, yeah, thanks. Baby. But I thought that was quite an interesting observation. I'm curious. Yeah, we sounded so new and fresh and innocent yes. back then. Yeah, that's cool. Um, he said he really likes the thematic episodes where we talk about strategy or specific items and games and that we have thoughts and opinions that we don't state as facts absolutely true because we are not nearly confident enough to do that. <laughs> we don't know enough <laughs> yeah exactly so Fabian says he lives in Sweden and we went to buy beer today he found this and he sent me a picture of a Swedish beer called derailed autumn storm oh no way Wow. Yeah, so he said that's what sort of encouraged him to to send the email oh that's awesome wow yeah, so this is the official beer of the Derailed podcast, the Derailed <laughs> Autumn Storm, only available in Sweden, of course. <laughs> I've never drank it, so I can't tell you if it's any good, but, you know, there we go. Very cool. I just hope it's not a vice. That's all I can hope for. I like vice. Vice is nice. Uh, vice isn't even beer. It's just like honey mead or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but thank you, Fabian. Thanks for your email. Mm, thanks very much. Yeah, that was cool to hear, and I like the picture. You can see he's got some games in the background. Oh, cool. I see 1862. Well, nice. Yeah, Irish Gage. Huh. Ride the Rails. Nice. Nice, nice. We haven't tried that Ride the Rails, actually. No. Does anyone own it in our group? No, I don't think so. I heard it was a little bit, like, uh, straightforward, I want to say, or maybe, like, not that deep, or very, like, um, pick up and delivery. But I don't know. I'd be keen okay. to try it. Mm. Yeah. I'll try anything with trains and so. Me too, yeah. Yeah, man. So I had a couple of questions I wanted to ask you. Okay. So I was thinking, um, Joe, in our in our um, Discord server, sorry, mm. brain freeze, um, Joe was saying that he likes our discussions about rules and stuff like that. And then as he said that, and it was literally I read it today, I thought I started thinking about rules in 18xx that we kind of like are sort of established as standard and I was wondering if they are kind of antiquated in a way. So I, I made a very short list of some rules that I wanted to run by you in terms of rules that do you think should be kind of the default in 18xx? Do you think they're worth playing around with or changing? Okay. Interesting. I'm completely unprepared, so <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm hitting you with this fresh. Okay. Um, yeah, so the first one has been tampered with, and that's the Lolo rule. Right. Left of last action, <laughs> just in case people don't know. Yes, exactly. Left of last action. So I have, I, I feel like this rule has sat uncomfortably, uncomfortably with me for quite a while mm. in terms of it being sort of a lazy and not great 
sort of way of dictating priority deal because I feel like you don't always have a huge amount of control over it. And I feel like it introduces an element of almost, I want to say luck, but I think people would potentially disagree with me that that's the wrong word for it. But just, yeah, if you have that guy, you know, <laughs> to your left, who always, always like is the last person to buy something or doesn't really care about priority or whatever, and then you end up being, you know, second last all the time, stuff like that. So, which I definitely had happened to me mm. and I've probably been the guy for other people as well. So, uh, I'm always curious about this rule. So two games I can think of that mess with it. I know uh, JC Lawrence's 1828 messes with this. And I think the way, if I remember correctly, that his does it is that you sort of, in the ter- in the order that you pass or the, or the order that you take the last action, that becomes the new turn order. Yes. Which is the kind of, almost, I want to say, one of the defaults that I would consider as a better default. Yeah. But I don't know how much this potentially breaks the game or how impactful it is. What if, for example, in 1889, we just retrofitted this rule and just said, okay, the order, the last action taken will be the last player to go. And the first person, you know what I mean? We just do it like that. Mm. Yeah. So I, I, I agree with you. Lola does feel like, I mean, you have some control, but you, you don't have full control. You can definitely not be first in the next stock round under Lola if you don't want to be for some reason but making sure that you're first in the next stock round I think is is kind of tricky with that one the other one I like and I forget which one does it does it I think it's Rhineland that does it it is Rhineland yeah the most money is yeah the the person with the most money is first but then it's still it's still clockwise after that right so it's not or is it in yeah. order of? It's not in order of money. No, I'm pretty sure it's just priority deal and then yeah, clockwise and then from clockwise. there. Yeah. yeah. So there you have really good control on being first because if someone else has more money than you, you you sell a share and then you you now have the most money. So so that one I quite like because of that because that felt to me like I had more control about being first in the next stock round. But the one you say twenty eight uses uh, where it's yes, yeah. it's like you 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 act in like passing order um yeah i like that i like that a lot it's it's a little trickier i mean clockwise is obviously the easiest to implement when you're sitting around the table but it's not impossible to to do that i mean the first time the first game i saw that in was the terra mystica with the expansion that does that and i I think that's a really like it's another cool decision uh, on your part because I could buy one more share or I could ensure that I'm first to act in the next stock round. So it's a, it's kind of a trade-off I have to make there. I like that tension. Yeah, like how important is priority deal going to be in the next stock round? Do I, Is it going to be so important that I literally do nothing in the stock round and just immediately pass, mm. even though I've got a bunch of money and will it be worth it? I think there's interesting decision space there to be had. Yeah. Um, yeah, like the Terra Mystica rule, for example, I don't, I love Terra Mystica. I don't have that expansion, but I always use that rule mm. because it just makes sense to just use that rule. You don't need the expansion. No, absolutely. It's just a better system. Yeah. 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 No. And even um, Terra Mystica, I think, I don't know if they're recommended in the manual, but I know with online Terra Mystica plays, even if you play the base game with no expansion, you can still choose to do the pass turn order rule. Right. So, yeah, like I say, I'm totally aware that there are other rules other than Lola. I guess what I'm wondering about is should we 
be removing Lola as the default because Lola is basically the default rule mm. and a lot of games will still use it. It's, it's sort of an extra design tweak to not use Lola, but I'd almost like there to be a different default position. I think personally, I would prefer the pass order. Pass yeah, 18, order. 28. One, yes, yeah. yeah, I would prefer that to be the default and changing it if there's good reason to change it. I should ask JC actually, you know, when he came up with that, does it fit specifically into 1828's design in his mind, or is it something that could be retrofitted to any 18XFX? It would actually be interesting to just play like an 1889 that we know pretty well and just do that turn order and see how it affects the play. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You could also potentially make the rule that you can't jump back in after passing, which makes it even more of an extreme decision. Yes, that's the way it is in Terra Mystica, right? Once you pass, yeah. that's it, yeah. No jumping back in. Yeah, for sure. I really want to play 1828, man. We had tried it once using board 18, but I was so overwhelmed by that system. Yeah. I just, I just couldn't. I kept messing it up. But yeah. Although the passing and not jumping back in might not work well with 18xx because sometimes you do want to pass to let someone else float a company, especially in something where the companies have a, a floating order or something like that. So I think there's good reason to pass and jump back, jump back in as well. So, Oh yeah, definitely. It's not, I wouldn't advocate that as default. It's just an interesting right. option as yeah. well in terms yeah. of creating a, a high risk situation. If yes. you back out of the stock round, people can start really messing with stuff. And you're like, no. Yeah. Yeah. Just creates tension. I think an 18xx you should be allowed to jump back in if you pass. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so you also think maybe something like the 1828 rule would be a better default. Yes, I think so. I would like to try that actually with something we know well. Yeah, that could be a good experiment actually because it would give us an idea if it mm. if it sort of breaks the game plan somewhere. Yeah. My feeling would be that it wouldn't, but yeah, I guess you never know. Yeah, you don't know until you try. Yeah, okay. Next one I've got for you. Um, what if a rulebook had explicit allowances for deal-making or even potentially went as far as making verbal agreements binding? Um, I think, isn't there an 18xx that does that? I think it was man mentioned on the Discord ones. It might be, yeah. So this is something we chatted about before when we did 18xx etiquette as an episode. Mm. Um, and some people are very anti any kind of table talk, any kind of deal making or trying to influence other players whatsoever. Some people are like, yeah, go ahead. Why not? Mm. But I'd be curious about an 18xx that put this in the rules explicitly as sort of like you can make deals and are encouraged to and yeah, like I said, that verbal agreements are binding. So you can say, if you help me float this company, I'll help you float your next company. But that's a binding agreement. Yeah, so for me, like the default is you can make agreements, but they're not mine binding, right? That would be your default, would you say? In our game group, we don't say no deals or no table talk or anything like that. So we theoretically, and we have actually done it, have made deals in the past but they're not binding. I agree with you with a slight exception okay. in the sense that I feel like we do sometimes kind of make deals, but I think we're always a little bit hesitant about it and almost like a little bit unsure if it's like not in the spirit of the game or something. Like I, I think we'll kind of hint at things or nudge at things and be like, hmm, but we won't outright be like, okay, I'll make you a deal. You token his thing out of the game right you put that token there and then i will not put my you know what i mean we don't we kind of don't like go all out 
<laughs> with it, which is sort of like there's a little bit of like an undercurrent of, of it. And we don't explicitly say we don't, but I think if in the rule books it made a thing of saying deal making is allowed, and I think there'd be a lot more of it. Yeah, I think we've we don't do it often, but I think we've come close enough to doing it explicitly that we've practically done it explicitly. Yes, but I think it would happen a lot more if we weren't worried about... Well, I can only speak for myself, I suppose, but I feel like I worry sometimes about, is this in the spirit of the game if I suggest this? Is this a bit like I... ganging up on someone? or You know what I mean? Like I don't want to sort of make it a bit over the top. Yeah. Like, I, I actually wouldn't like it if if it was a rule in 18x6 that it's allowed and binding because I think deal-making like that favors the better players. Because they can always, they'll always make a deal that benefits them more, right? And the right. the less experienced player won't know that or know how exactly they're getting screwed over, basically. Yeah. So, so I'm actually more for everyone just plays their game and the better player wins without it becoming a deal making game. Yeah, I'm. I'm also curious. I didn't put this in because I think it's a great idea. I just thought it's something that mm. would be interesting as a rule. You know, yeah. these are already discussion points rather than me advocating. No, of except course. the Lola rule, I'm advocating a little bit for that to be something else. But the rest are. Yeah, I'm just curious. Yeah, it's <laughs> just things that popped in my head. But... Well, I mean, you have your opinion as well, which you're allowed to, of course. No, no, no. Of course, yeah, no. But I think I'm kind of on the same page as you. I'm not sure necessarily that I'd like. An excessive amount of deal making or negotiation. Yeah, but I wouldn't mind playing one that bakes it into the design in the sense that it creates opportunity for that. But I guess I guess the purists would kind of hate that, though. Yeah, I think I would. I think that there are deal making games where the game is the deal making, and I don't want eighteen xx to be that. I think there's okay. a, there's a lot that's interesting enough about eighteen xx as a game that you can play without uh, stronger players strong-arming weaker players into deals that, that are bad for them. <laughs> well, that's kind of an interesting perspective, right? Like, if you want a negotiation game, they already exist. We don't need to add this to 18xx. Like, because I guess you could say, like, where does it end, you know? Like, yeah. can I, like, try and derail your train and roll dice for combat? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, how far does it go, you know? Where we, <laughs> we just sort of, like, I attempt a hostile takeover. If I roll a seven or higher, like, you yeah. know, I get your president's share or whatever. I mean, <laughs> you could do all kinds of stuff, I suppose, within the constructs of 18xx. But I suppose that leads to a much bigger discussion of, of sort of what are the broad limitations of 18xx in terms of calling something an 18xx. You know what I mean? Like, what is allowed in the design space? Yeah, so I think certain things, even if your game group allowed deals, would not be allowed. So, for example, like, I'll give you... $100 from this company if you give me $150 from your personal money or something like that, you know, stuff, right, stuff yeah. like that. Like you're not allowed to move money around unless it's via some kind of a purchase or not allowed. So so there will be restrictions on the type of deals. I think the type of deals would be things like building routes and tokening, maybe even floating or how many shares or not selling shares and things like that. Because you could totally turn this into a game. Like, I don't know if you remember in TR4, they have those cards that you can give someone yes. as like a, a sort of negotiation or bargaining chip or whatever. And I can literally give you a card that says like, you get a victory point and 
now you can't do this against me or whatever. Or if you attack me, you lose it or whatever the case may be, right? So it's kind of these weird things. You could have that as well where like yeah. you could all have these like weird bargaining chips and it's like I give you $200 from my treasury and you get this card that says like you can't token in the same city as me. You know what I mean? Like you could do weird crazy stuff like that in an 18xx but like you're saying at what point does that become yeah some sort of monstrosity yeah. <laughs> some frankenstein's monster of like a meritrash game and <laughs> like simon's new 18xx you yes, know yeah yeah i don't think i would like that in 18xx i think 18xx is very cool as is <laughs> oh man but don't you want the kickstarter exclusive cthulhu trains no thank you <laughs> oh, if you don't if you don't back the kickstarter you're not going to get the, the, the special <laughs> cthulhu choo-choo <laughs> all right yeah but that's cool okay i like your perspective actually i think that's interesting okay yeah you see it's good to surprise you with stuff yes <laughs> okay the third one i had done is withhold or pay as the only options and i'm including kind of half pay in this so uh, when you say you're including half pay in this, what, what other options could there be? Well, that's my question. Is this a limited space in terms of those are the only realistic options? Or is there something else that you could do with the dividend system? Um, like you say, just pay a fixed amount per share, for example, with, uh, and the rest of the money goes to the company or something like that. Yeah, I guess so, because hey, I guess half pay was an attempt to kind of manipulate this in some way. Yeah, I, I actually like the half pay option. I think that's a that's a cool option to have because you can half pay and still move up in stock value and stuff like that. I think half pay is a good option, but to to add more freedom than that, I think, yeah, I don't think it's necessary. Okay. Yeah, I think pay, withhold or half pay are good options. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing half pay option in more games. What if you could pay a hundred percent of the profits of the route to yourself, but your token moved down? To yourself being the president. You, to yourself being the player. Yeah, you as the president player. So none of the other shareholders. So I run. Yeah, I run a route for three hundred, and then I get three hundred in cash, but my stock price moves down instead of up i think that is not good because that will disincentivize people from buying shares in each other's companies mm. i guess you'd have to sweeten the pot in some way that if you do if, i think if you had an option like that then if you did pay out it would sort of have to be split in a different way that me as a having one or two shares would get more than like you know 60 bucks or whatever than your 10 or 20 percent yeah, so your options wouldn't be like pay dividends exactly or pay yourself. It would kind of be like pay yourself or split the money evenly between all shareholders and your stock moves up or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because then it creates a thing where having one share is potentially very valuable if someone's trying to move their stock price up. You could get a lot of dividends out of it. But there's a risk that, you know, they get nothing. Yeah, I don't know. I think that that risks people not buying shares in each other's companies, which is part of the tension of 18xx, which I like. Yeah, but okay. But if we don't get into the nitty gritty of what the rule would actually be, because that was just an idea I just came up with, which I kind of like, by the way. Like, I think there's something interesting there potentially, but do you like the idea of playing with that? Or do you think it should only be basically some variation of withhold and pay? 
Yeah, I do think it should just be some variation of that, like with whole pay okay. or half pay. I think I think those options are are good enough, and I think they're like, yeah, I think if you make it too complex there as well, yeah, I'm just worried people will be hesitant to buy shares in each other's companies. Okay, but you just you just don't you you just think as a purist kind of thing, you don't want to mess with that at all. That's a core tenant of how the games function and we shouldn't mess around with that like i can't think of any way to mess with that with without affecting people buying shares in each other if you can come up with a concrete example of what what about this rule then maybe i can consider that but i can't like just think of one that won't affect that and i don't think that should be affected uh, buying shares in each other. I think I think ultimately it comes down to balancing risk versus reward. Like buying shares is always a risk to some extent, but the reward makes it worthwhile. Uh, as long as you can balance that in some way, which I do think there are ways to balance that that don't just include withhold and pay, then I think you won't disincentivize people. You just have to make it worthwhile for them to take that risk. So a bigger risk means you need a bigger reward. So the way it is at the moment is the president theoretically has the most shares in the company or the most share density like yeah they they either have the most or tied i don't think there's any game almost where that's not the case yeah so the most or tied but in the case of tied the president can have an, a different share because the president has f- five shares in four certs whereas someone else has yeah. five shares in five certs okay so the president is overall incentivized to make the stock price go up Yes, I think anything changing that incentive of the president to make the stock price go up changes the incentive of people to buy shares in each other's companies. Okay. Well, I'm curious. If anyone has a great idea, we'd love to hear it, for how you could reasonably mess with withhold pay that might convince Fred that it's a <laughs> decent idea. Um, if anyone wants to put their game design hat on and do a much better job than I did of coming up with, <laughs> with something, then yeah, I'd love to hear it. So yeah, tweet at us or email us or if you're in the Discord. Yeah, I think yeah. I need a I need a concrete example for that one. Sorry, Chris. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Whatever. Screw you anyway. Okay. So <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, I kind of uh, I think I'm not as attached to it as you. I wouldn't mind seeing that change. Okay. But yeah, I also wouldn't mind. No, I wouldn't mind Cthulhu trains. I can't even say that with a straight <laughs> voice. Yeah, I was going to say I wouldn't mind Cthulhu trains, but I'd literally just full body cringe. So <laughs> please no. Um, <laughs> okay, last one I've got for you. Okay. So trains going further as the primary approve- improvement, and that just ascends. So basically, every 18xx game I've pretty much ever played. Um, with a couple of rare exceptions for like single trains, but the basic gist is as you move up the trains, they hit more stops and that's it. That's what they do. That's the improvements. So a thought I had, for example, would be maybe a type of train that doesn't go further, but doubles the value. So like a two train that, for example, doubles each city, each stop it goes to. Instead of a four train, you get one, a two that doubles or or something like that. Yeah, I think that could be interesting. So one way I could think of implementing something like that is a lot of kind of like PC train games. So train games on the PC. So what's the classic example? Um, train Tycoon Deluxe, stuff like that. I don't know if you know Train Tycoon Deluxe or Tran- sorry, Transport Tycoon Deluxe. Isn't that a railway tycoon? There's a, there might be a railway 
tycoon as well, but I know there's a transport tycoon deluxe, okay. which is like there's could be I know because there's an open TTD, which is open transport tycoon deluxe, which is like an open source implementation of that game. And they but they have trains, planes, automobiles, <laughs> boats, everything, you know. Okay. But one kind of distinction they make there is between freight trains and passenger trains. Ah. So that might be a way where a city, you like you could have maybe two prices on a city or two rewards on a city, one for freight and one for passengers. So I don't know, a big city like maybe Chicago is more desirable by passengers, whereas a small like farming city is passengers don't really want to go there, but freight wants to go there or wants to come from there or something like that. So that might be a way to implement that. Right. And I think that could be interesting. Yeah, so like 62 has different types of trains, but ultimately, as they improve, they all just go further. That's right. always the thing, yeah. is the trains always go further. The idea is you build a further route, and now you can run more routes. But I guess you'd have to fiddle with the map to make this work as well, mm. to some extent. Um, it might be like a smaller map or a very different kind of looking map, so it would fundamentally change a lot of how the game works, or maybe the tiles would be different as well in terms of what they do. Yeah, or also maybe like a luxury type train where passengers pay more, so each each stop has ten dollars extra added or something like that. Yeah, exactly. You could potentially have trains where it's double sided, so the one side simply goes further, but the other side adds more value on a shorter route right. or something like that. Um, yeah, maybe something like that you could do where it's optional. Yeah, yeah. I think I wouldn't be against playing something different there or or seeing a game that fiddles with that. I don't know why I consider it like a success when I present something like this and you're like, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I've naturally stepped into this role of trying to convince you that fiddling <laughs> with this rule is a good idea. Because I really just wrote them off the top of my head of sort of like um, sort of like fixtures of 18xx and could we disrupt that rule set and what would it look like, you know? Yes. But I've sort of taken on this role of like, no, it's a good <laughs> idea, friend. we got to change this. <laughs> I don't know who they are, but when you said, like, I can see that, I'm like, yes, <laughs> mission accomplished. Victory. Clack <laughs> it up, boys, we got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that could potentially be interesting. Okay, mm. cool. Yeah, so uh, I'm kind of with you there. I don't have any grand ideas. The only thing I thought of was, yeah, potentially making like Dublin cities or, or making things more yeah. worth more. But yeah, like you say, you could do the Because like 46 kind of messed with this a little bit, like having the two different types of trains, the ones that go further but hit less stops. Yeah. So that added some variation, but it was still the same general idea. As the trains go up, they go further on the map. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think the express train in in 62 and probably some other games as well is probably the closest to a passenger train where they just want to skip all the small towns and go from big city to big city as quickly as possible. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because I thought of that. There are some games that have trains that, for example, um, will skip towns, but even that is sort of like, it's kind of just going further, really, right. you know, yeah. um, in a different kind of way. Um, and yeah, so the other one I thought of is 49 has that train that reverses the long gauge, short gauge, the, oh, sorry, wide and narrow gauge. Right, the the cost to them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's sort of dual gauge, dual gauge and narrow gauge, hey? I think so. Oh, dual is the right line, yeah. Yeah, it's narrow and... Standard, standard gauge, standard, standard gauge, gauge and narrow gauge. That's yeah. right, yeah. Oh, not wide boy gauge. Okay, yeah, so that's cool. Mm. 
Shit, okay, that's all I got for you. Okay, well, that was interesting. That was cool. Don't be greedy, just four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was cool. Okay, so a quick South African fact to finish off. Okay. So I don't know if we've mentioned this before, but in South Africa, we drive on the left-hand side of the road and our cars are right-hand drive. That's correct. <laughs> and you know what sucks about this is that I always thought everyone else had it wrong. And I guess everyone thought this, but I thought it was just America where they drive on the right-hand side. And I've since come to learn it's like pretty much everywhere except here and like Japan. Yes. So actually, we have the difficult And ones. the UK, right? The UK is also on the left-hand side. Oh, uh, are they? I think so. Because like you, most of Europe is right-hand side. Okay, I'm going to Google it right now. I will tell you. Oh, oh yeah. It looks like it is the UK. Okay, so it's, I've got a map here. Oh, Australia is with us. Oh, oh yeah. Nice. Okay. Oh, uh, so is this is this a British colony thing? Is that what's going on? Yeah. I think so. Actually, I think so, because cars came into existence while we were still a, a colony. Because I think that's India down there on the map as well. Mm. That's highlighted. No, I think being a British colony in your past definitely helped decide that. Some switched over afterwards, probably, but. I think that's definitely how it started. Yeah. So it's basically like the southern parts of Africa and a little bit of like East Africa there as well, looks like it. And then Australia, Japan, India, UK, and then a couple of countries in South America, but I don't know which countries these are. Okay. They're right near the north, but... So one thing that the US has, and I don't know if you're aware of this, so I must just get my di directions right. Okay, so in the US, if you're stopped at a red light traffic light or robot as we call them right so remember the us drives on the right hand side of the road in the us if you stopped at a, a red light and you want to turn right you're allowed to do it even if it's red as long as it's safe like it's it's almost like a yield to yes, turn right yeah it's a yield on the turn yeah yes, on the yeah. tight turn yeah yeah and that's that i think is a pretty good rule uh, it's not very pedestrian friendly, though. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good rule as well. I often wish that we had that. Sometimes I sit at that light and the left turn is just right there. It's yeah, like... there's no way you're in, in the way of anyone when you do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you can see if there's traffic coming or not. Yes, yeah. yeah. But you know, taxis here yeah, would just abuse that like completely. <laughs> oh, they do already. When we, we Some intersections have those slipways. Where if you do want uh, to, yes. for us, if you want to turn left, you there's a slipway where you don't actually have to stop at the light. And that slipway is a yield. So it's effectively that, but it's it's an actual feature on the road to do that. But taxis will take the slip left, left cross the, the road going the other way, and then take the slip on the other side back into the original direction they were going. Yeah, true story, man. <laughs> yeah. Taxis are their own thing. Yeah. <laughs> And taxis here are like minibuses, not like yellow cabs. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was quite devastated. I always thought everyone else kind of had it wrong, and then I realized that we are actually much more the outliers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. What you gonna do? I, I once saw flimsy evidence for left-hand side being better because apparently, but I think the evidence for this was super thin, but apparently right-handed people are more likely to notice movement on the right hand side of their vision uh -huh. so that's a good like if that's true which i don't 
I don't think there's good evidence to show that it actually is. But if that is true, yeah. then it's... Sounds like shit, dude. Checkmate. <laughs> Checkmate, America. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> but yeah, if that's true, then it's obviously better to have oncoming traffic on your right-hand side. But yeah, I think that's the... <laughs> Yeah, because everyone knows left-handed people are heretics that should be rooted out <laughs> and forced to write with their right hand from young. <laughs> the biggest mistake the world ever made was making left-handed scissors. That's when they started to feel accepted. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like it was okay to be left-handed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We sent the wrong message with that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, so the only other thing I guess about our cars is that by default, they're all manual. I don't know what it's like. I know in America, everything is basically automatic. Yes, I think there the default is automatic, yeah. And I don't know what it's like in the rest of Europe in terms of the manual automatic split. I mean, I think people can drive manual in Europe, unlike the States, where I think it's almost like uncommon. It's possible to get a, an automatic-only driver's license here. But I think a lot of people in the U.S. actually have that. I think very few people in South Africa have that. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely possible to get automatics. Yeah. It's kind of an option. But I mean the, a driver's license. So you can get a driver's license where you're not allowed to drive a manual. Oh, yes, you are correct. Yeah, you yeah. can get one, yeah, technically that only allows you to drive automatic cars. Yes, yeah. But but if you have a, an, a manual car driving license, you're allowed to drive an automatic. Yeah, naturally. Because an automatic is basically a golf cart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know I have an automatic in my old age. It's actually nice to have an automatic. <laughs> I'm like, I'm such a, I, like, I realize that they're nice or whatever, but I just, I, I can't let go of manual. Yeah, it took me forever, but I now like it. I don't want to let it go. I like the, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just like having something to do. Yes, yeah. They are fun. If you're going to drive fast and sporty-like, then manual is the way for sure. Yeah, that, that, I'm definitely sporty in my Hyundai hatchback. Yeah. I know. Come at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, sweet guys, thanks for sticking with us. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, look, we did it, Fred. Week, week on week, back to back. Yes, finally. We're getting back in our groove. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, but I like it, Dan. We must. We're gonna keep it up, guys. We're gonna keep. We're gonna stick to our schedule. Yes. Yeah. Sweet. Um, yeah. Okay. I guess that's it. Thanks a lot, guys. Cool. Cheers. Thanks very much. Cheers. If you would like to get in touch with us, we are at derailed18xx on Instagram and Twitter. You can email us, derailed18xx at gmail.com. And we're on Patreon at patreon.com slash derailed18xx. Thanks for listening.